Good morning. Whoa, hello. My voice is loud. Good morning. Welcome everybody to Holly Springs. So glad to see everybody. Mind the dust. We realize that there's a little bit of dust in a lot of different places. As you can see, the walls, a lot of the walls have been painted from some of our amazing men in this church. Um, a lot of the walls from here forward have all been painted, and you can see how it looks very, very, very clean, um, except for the room is somewhat kind of still dirty. We will clean everything before we get everything, after we get everything done. So you can see up there the balcony, if you're in the balcony, you have not been painted, so don't, don't look around at those walls yet. Um, but guys, we're, we're really excited. We're excited about everything that's happening here at Holly Springs. We're excited about the stage. Hopefully this week we'll be able to put in flooring and do other things. So hopefully every week you come, there will be something new, something different. Um, there will still be rock here on the front of the stage, and we'll have all kinds of things that will be happening. We don't have the rock yet, but we will be getting the rock. And so once we get it, we'll start trying to figure out a plan to be able to put it back up. Uh, we're really excited. This last week, we've had VBS here in this room, and we have had countless of volunteers. Um, I know that some of you have given up your whole week, and some of you are still trying to relax. I know Miss Lisa might be still trying to relax, especially doing all the food and everything for us. I know that a lot of you have volunteered for helping with students, with kids, and with all types of people just helping us out. Guys, we really just want to say thank you. What makes the church, and I don't care which church you go to, it's the volunteers that help. It, you, you might give us credit as pastors, but I'm telling you, the volunteers inside of a church are what make a church. I don't care what, what happens. You are what make the church, the body of believers. Guys, we thank you so much for always helping out with that. So for a little treat, we're going to invite any student, any kid, we're going to let them to come up here on stage, and we're going to sing, is it the, which song are we singing? The Concretes and Cranes song, the one that will go through all of us adults' heads for the next year. Come up here. If you're a kid and you want to come dance on stage, Jacob has no shame. Uh, we're going to let them dance. Um, and notice these adults out here that try to lead them. Come up here, guys. Get up here, guys. You're doing so good. Come on up.
<laughs> is that the cutest thing ever? Oh my gosh. So fun. We had the best week. Over a hundred children here each night uh, celebrating the Lord, talking about concrete and cranes and how we build our faith. Such a good week, and I'm so thankful, like Clint said, for all our volunteers, everybody who helped us to do it. The construction thing was perfect. We had the scaffold up and everything. It just worked really well. Uh, like Clint said, you've seen an enormous change that's going on every week you walk in. Something new is happening with our sanctuary, and for that, we're very thankful. God is just really blessing us, and the finished product, I think you're going to be so happy with. I hope you're already happy with what you see, but it's just going to be amazing when it's finished. Krista, will you come up here, and Gary, will you come up here? I want to give, a, I want to tell you a couple of things, but one thing I want to do is give a very special shout out and thank you to Krista for how much she helped to make our Vacation Bible School amazing this week. So much time and effort goes into making Vacation Bible School very special, and Krista has just put in months of work along with all her volunteers, her adult help, and Anna and the staff have just helped, but she is the spearhead and just makes everything run so smooth. It was a wonderful week, and uh, I'm just thankful for that and for what you did. As I say that, I need to tell you some news that is exciting, but it's also kind of sad for us. Gary and Krista have been going through uh, foster adopt preparation, which I'm very excited about for them. And they're just about to reach the conclusion of that. And their plan is to adopt two children uh, to come into their family. And seeing that that's probably going to happen soon, they are uh, wanting to let us know that Krista is not going to serve as our children's minister at the end of the summer. That will, she's going to kind of guide us through the summer. And then we're going to have to find a new children's minister for our congregation. As sad as that makes me, for us, I am so thrilled for what is happening to their family and for how they are going to minister to two children and love them and be a part of their lives and helping them to become godly people in our community. And so for that, I'm very grateful. I wanted to let you know that so you would know kind of what we are doing and how we are maneuvering through this process. The elders have been made aware of this. And we are beginning the process of seeing who God will lead us to and who God will bring in to replace Krista. It's not easy. I didn't ever think we'd be able to find anybody to replace Leslie uh, because she's amazing. And Leslie laid such a good foundation. And Krista has taken that foundation and built upon it and continued with a wonderful children's ministry. Now somebody has to step into her shoes. And I think that's a very hard job. But I know with your prayer and with our prayer that that will happen and God will bring just the right person to be our children's minister here at Holly Springs. So I wanted to let you know that, uh, especially as we have celebrated Vacation Bible School and how wonderful it has been this week. Also, I want to let you know that all the stuff that you're seeing go going on in the sanctuary renovation-wise has been amazing. Uh, Gary has really spearheaded that. He has worked uh, like a Trojan uh, over the last two weeks. I told him just a few minutes ago, I really never believed 
we would be at this place where we could continue to worship in here. I thought we would have to be out for weeks over in the gym worshiping, but every week he has managed to get a whole lot done with so many volunteers and so many of you who have helped, but then allowed us to come back in here to worship. I don't know, a lot of you would not be aware, but yesterday, <laughs> you wouldn't be aware I was long gone at the zoo celebrating with my grandsons and could have cared less what was going on in here. But they were finishing painting in here and were dusting and cleaning along with a lot of our deacons and volunteers for four hours, a bunch of men working like women. It was amazing. <laughs> Uh, that never happens. So uh, we're very thankful for that. So special thanks to both of you all for all you've done and how much you've blessed us. Let us pray and then we will worship, all right? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for this morning for the chance to worship. Father, we're so grateful for the week of Vacation Bible School that you gave us and uh, the children's lives who were changed uh, for the kingdom. And God, we uh, pray that our children and us build our firm foundation on the faith of Jesus Christ. And God, now as we are about to enter this time of worship together, may we sing sweetly into your ears and you hear us, Father, as we proclaim your goodness and your grace in our lives. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's stand and sing together. Sing this together. I went down to the crimson river, left my burdens on the shore. I went down a sinner, came up a saint, died with Christ. Now I'm reborn. Oh, he washed me in his mercy. with him not the same I am changed redeemed by the blood of the lamb by his grace I am saved I'm his child forever I am hallelujah redeemed by the blood of the lamb Yeah. 
across that river I will shine in glorious light when he calls me home I'll fall at his throne and forever worship Christ and forever worship Christ I'll forever worship Christ I'll forever of God. Come 
to God the Father. Glory be to God the Son. Glory be to God the Spirit. The Lord is my salvation. Glory stars they wept the morning sun was dead the savior of the world was fallen his body on the cross his blood poured out for us the weight of every curse upon breath he gave as heaven looked away the son of God was laid in darkness battle in the grave the war on death was waged the power of hell forever broken the crown began to shake 
prayer. And as I pray, I just ask that you would agree with me in spirit. God, we come before you and 
God, we are just amazed at who you are, the beauty of who you are, your character, what you're, what you're doing in this place, what you've already done. And God, we look forward to what you will continue to do. And God, help us to be obedient to your call. Help us to say yes to your call. Help us to say yes to your love. Help us say yes to faith in you. God, help us to not be hesitant in our faith. God, help us to be eager to chase after righteousness. Help us to be eager to maintain the unity of the saints. And I pray that in this room, we will glorify you and you alone. So God, as we open up your word, I pray that we view it as the glue to this family, the foundation of this family. And God, help us to look to it as nutrition for our lives, encouragement, and all those good things that we need, God. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Jason, Sydney, and Ethan for leading us in worship this morning. We're still working off of a kind of a half praise team because of the stage renovation and everything. As soon as we get finished, Hopefully we'll be able to have everybody back up here. We will have plenty of room for everybody and a whole lot more people. Right, Jason? That's great. So as our children are leaving for uh, children's worship this morning, will you take your Bible and will you turn to the 35th chapter of Genesis as we continue our sermon series on countering the culture? Uh, here we go with the quick synopsis again, all right? <clears throat> Sermon 1, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Sermon 2, speak the truth in love, always in love. Number 3, we don't believe in moralistic therapeutic deism. I was visiting with a college student from my college ministry from 20 years ago who is uh, living in Fort Worth now, and uh, he was asking me what I was preaching through, and I was telling him the series that we've been preaching through, and uh, he was talking to me about uh, all kinds of things that were defined under moralistic therapeutic deism, but he had never heard of that term. And I said, Joe, go home, Google it up, and look it up, because everything you're telling me falls into that category. He was fascinated by it. I hope he goes home and looks it up. Number four, we preached about how it's incredibly important for us to practice godly parenting by being godly examples to our children. That's how we fight back against the culture. And number five, we preached about how the Bible is the truth. It's God's word without any mixture of error. Every week, I, you need to hear me say this, every week I talk to somebody or, or read somebody, and I'm not talking about people that um, I don't know or people that I just happen to uh, kind of know on Facebook. I'm talking about students who were part of college ministry here at the BSM or in my college ministry who have been influenced by the world. I'm talking about relatives. I'm talking about uh, people that I know in the community that come up to me and begin to try to help me, and they're, they're trying to help me, being the culture pushing, pushing against me, to help me to kind of believe what they want to believe, which is the Bible is a great book, but it doesn't necessarily need to be all true. We can kind of pick and choose what we want to believe. Even this past week, I read uh, from a college girl uh, that I knew 
that went to our church, and it was 10 years ago, and, and I would have guessed back then that she believed the scripture, but the world has influenced her to believe that you can kind of believe what you want to believe, and, and that's basically how she wrote it in her post on social media, that you can kind of pick and choose what you want to believe. And it's just not what we believe. It's not truth. It's not what the scripture teaches us. And if that's where you land, uh, then probably your faith needs to be looked at because I I'm not sure why you would want to have faith in a book and in a, in a belief system and in a man named Jesus who, who was God in the flesh and only believe about half of his teachings. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Number six, we looked at the importance of being faithful to church and to discipleship. And Sermon 7, we looked at the, how those of us who are married uh, can use our marriages to stand up against the culture. That's what we did last week. I want to tell you because I've, I've never kind of put a conclusion on the end of this sermon series, but we are nearing the end of it. I want to do a, a couple of more sermons as we head into Father's Day. I want to talk about fathers and how us as dads can help our family stand up against the culture. Um, so many of you have been so incredibly kind and have written me and called me, talked to me in the hallway. Uh, even this past week, I had somebody who used to be a member of our church or was a part of our church. There's still members here, but they live in the Dallas area now and they keep watching us online and I'm so thankful for those who watch us online and those who visit with us that way and, and pay attention to our sermons that way but she was just telling me how much she appreciated the sermon series that I've been going through and I, I just want to say thank you for that I, I appreciate that so much more than you would ever know so next week I want to talk about fathers and how they can share uh, how we can share with them how they can stand strong against the culture and then Another sermon or two that would be in the conclusion uh, method with this sermon series about what we as believers have to look forward to. And, and those two sermons are going to kind of hit you and me between the eyes because I've got some really not encouraging news. I, I, I don't think we're going anywhere forward uh, to conquer this culture war that's coming against us. In fact, I think it's going to be a situation where we as believers have uh, to uh, hunker down with our faith system and, and, and there's going to be kind of a calling and there's going to be uh, people who are going to come against us. We in America for the last um, 200 years, uh, I mean, our country is founded on the freedom of being able to believe what we want to believe. But my opinion, and it's my opinion, and I think it's the opinion of many other people, is that is probably coming to a close. And within my grandchildren's generation, I believe that it's going to be almost incredibly difficult to be a believer. And uh, we are going to face all kinds of things that we have never thought we would face before. And I know that doesn't get you very excited about what in the world I'm going to preach on and how discouraging that might be, but I think we have to look at it. So here we go. Let me share with you a, a couple of examples, or at least one example. This is the latest one I found. Uh, again, just a sign of the times of where we are. So it's summertime, and uh, there's a new chicken sandwich war. Did you know that? 
uh, Burger King has now come out with a sandwich, a chicken sandwich. And who are they going against? Chick-fil-A. Yeah. So here's the tweet they put out to start off the chicken sandwich war with Chick-fil-A. This is Burger King's tweet. During Pride Month, even on Sundays, your chicken sandwich can do good. We are making a donation to the Human Rights Campaign for every sandwich sold, up to $250,000. Well, what's the Human Rights Campaign? Those are the people who support Pride Month. On June the 3rd, Burger King made that cheeky tweet saying it will donate up to $250,000 of the proceeds from its new premium chicken sandwich. They're going to give that money to the Human Rights Campaign. For every sandwich sold, 40 cents will go to that cause. The company emphasized that chicken, uh, their chicken sandwich is available also on Sundays, taking a jab at Chick-fil-A, who observes the Sabbath on Sunday and closes their buildings all across the nation. Have you ever wanted to go get a Chick-fil-A on Sunday? I have done so many times and every time I'm heading toward Chick-fil-A on Sunday to get a sandwich I go oh and then I go oh I'm so grateful they do that well here's what Burger King said there's a lot more in here but here's what it said at the end this is a community and they're talking about the, the, the LGBTQ community this is a community we love dearly and have proudly supported over the years, so we couldn't miss an opportunity to take action and help shine a light on the important conversation that's happening. I read something this week that really hit home with me also, and I, I just wanted to share this with you because uh, it just really struck me. It, it, it was a statement that talks about how different the world is today. So uh, yesterday, uh, we had the opportunity to, to head up to McKinney to see our grandkids. We hadn't seen them in five weeks, and Laura said, if we don't go see them, I'm just leaving you, and I'm never going to come back. And I said, okay. So uh, <laughs> we've, we flew up to McKinney and, and landed at the McKinney Airport, and when we landed, um, I just got overwhelmed because on the tarmac, was the exact plane that my dad flew. Not the, I need to word that correctly. It wasn't the exact plane my dad flew because that thing's probably scrap metal somewhere. Uh, but it was the exact type of plane my dad flew. And when I landed and pulled up next uh, to that plane, I just got overwhelmed. You, you can't imagine the emotions that were going on in, in my body. And I got out and I pointed to Laura. I said, Laura, that's the exact kind of plane that my dad flew. And she went, oh, okay. And she kept walking, you know, and I was going, no, you don't get it. And I brought Evan out and I said, Evan, that's the exact type of plane my dad flew. And he went, oh, okay. Nobody got it. And I began to understand that nobody was as overwhelmed as I was. It didn't mean near as much to me. But I began thinking about uh, when, when I look at that plane and I look at my plane, this, so this is crazy, and forgive me for talking about planes like I always do, 
But the crazy thing is, my plane is so much more advanced than what my dad's plane was. My dad's plane's bigger, had two engines, mine only has one. My dad's plane could seat like 60 people, uh, just crazy differences. But my plane is so much more advanced. But then I began to think about the quality of the men who flew the planes that my dad flew and the men who fought for us in World War I and World War II and all the things that they did to give us freedom. And it just overwhelmed me that we think sometimes that we've, we are better because we're more advanced. And I know I'm showing my age here, so forgive me if you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s and you're thinking, here's the old man talking about how the days used to be so much better a long time ago. But we've lost something, and you don't have to be my age to look backwards and realize that we are losing generations to the culture. And I read this statement, it just really hit home with me talking about how different the world is today. This is what it said. If you don't think this generation is a little bit different from the generation 75 years ago, take this into consideration. 75 years ago, a new car manual literally told you how you could adjust the valves on your engine. There's not many people sitting in this room who could adjust the valves on anybody's engine right now. But 75 years ago, when you got the new car manual, it told you how to adjust the valves on your engine. Today, you know what a new car manual tells you? Don't drink the battery acid. <laughs> that's crazy. But that's the kind of world we live in. And part of what's going on, and you know this, is that the family is at the root of all those changes. How can we protect our families? Look at Genesis 35. Let me read the first few verses to you here. And as I do that, let me just give you a little background. Now, this Genesis 35 is about Jacob, uh, the son of Isaac and Rebekah. You probably know about Jacob. Unfortunately, I don't have a whole lot of time to go into a lot of history about Jacob. If you don't know about Jacob, perfectly fine. I get it. But you ought to go home and read about Jacob and his brother Esau and all the things that happened to him. Let me explain to you just in a little two-word kind of a thing here that Jacob was from a dysfunctional family, and he had a dysfunctional family. And I've told you this before. Um, when I was in seminary, we, we learned about dysfunctional families. And the first year I was in seminary, the professor that I loved dearly and just passed away recently, Dr. Briggs, said, now when you work with youth, you're going to work with some families that are dysfunctional. That was my first year in seminary. My third year in seminary... I had Dr. Briggs again, and Dr. Briggs said, every family in your church is a dysfunctional family. And I said, yep, you're exactly right. And everybody, we've, we've learned, there was a, a period in time when they thought there were only some families that were dysfunctional. Now they realize that every family has some form of dysfunction. And when you look at Jacob back in the Bible 3,000 years ago, his family was dysfunctional. And you need to understand that because we're all fighting through our dysfunction to become families who love God and serve God. 
It's, it's the sin that we all have to deal with. So we're going to look at this first few verses. You know that Jacob is the brother of Esau. He comes from this dysfunctional family, uh, and his story is fascinating. Now let me, before we read this, let me preface why Jacob is re returning to Bethel in this passage. The reason is, is because he's run away from home. And what we're going to read in just a second is that Jacob is going to return back to Bethel. Jacob has been running from Esau, hiding his family, and still acting in a very dysfunctional fashion. And he does that for 20 years. But God has been working on his heart and calling him to come back home, even to the place where God grabs hold of Jacob and puts a limp on him, an actual physical limp, until he decides to be obedient to God. And about that time, you're going to find Jacob ready now to go back to, to Bethel. And why is Bethel so important? Well, Bethel's a place where God appeared to Jacob, where he fled for his life from his brother Esau. Bethel is a place where Jacob, listen to this, first committed his life to God. So in our kind of thinking, it would almost be like somebody who became a believer in Holly Springs 20 years ago when, when the church was first founded and, and they came to know Christ here under the leadership of so many wonderful volunteers and so many great pastors before me who, who have uh, shared the word and uh, they became believers and then all of a sudden they, they kind of struggled with their faith and, and maybe they've been gone. Maybe they didn't go very far. Maybe they just quit coming to church. Or maybe they moved a, a long ways away and, 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 and they've just kind of quit coming to church. And then all of a sudden, they come back into this building and they're overwhelmed. Now, obviously, it looks a little bit different today than it even did a few weeks ago. And it looks a little bit different than it did 20 years ago. But when they come back in, they get that overwhelming sense. And this is important for you to hear me say this. Even in the midst of us remodeling the building, and, and trying to make it so it's a wonderful place for us to gather to worship because they're going to walk in the building and they're not really, listen to me, they're not really going to matter. It's not really going to matter to them that the walls are gray and they used to be a different color. And it's not really going to matter to them that the stairs used to go straight up this way and now they come this way. But what they're going to do is they're going to walk into this building and they're going to go, this is the place where I first met God. This is the place where I remember giving my life to Christ. And what have I been doing these last 20 years? What, what's been going on in my life? Why, why haven't I been able to get my act together? And they're going to walk in here and they're going to feel overwhelmed. That's exactly what's happening to Jacob. God is pricking his heart and saying, go back to that place where you first met God. And Jacob does that. Look at Verse 1 of Genesis chapter 35. Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So God is saying, Go back to the very first place you met me. Go back to that home that you know that you recognize that is your place. In verse 2 it says, So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, 
Get rid of those foreign gods you have had with you. I told you he was from a dysfunctional family. His wife worshipped idols. And I told you that he basically had walked away from God. Here you see it. He's telling his family, get rid of those foreign gods that you have and purify yourself and change your clothes and then come and let us go up to Bethel and I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who, who has been with me wherever I have gone. So they've done all this. They, they, Jacob has realized, hey, I've been out of the, the loop. I, I've been walking away from God. I've even let my family start to worship idols that really aren't who we're supposed to be worshiping. And even in the midst of that, I still have sense that God has been with me in all this. And now I hear him speaking to me and saying, go back. Go back to the God you first loved and go back to the place that you first met me and build me an altar and worship me there. And so he gets his family together and says, we are doing this. And you burn all your idols and you take care of getting yourself pure again and you change your clothes even and let's go back and worship God. In verse 4, so they gave Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and their rings in their ears and Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem, and they set out, and the terror of God fell upon the towns all around them so that no one pursued them. What happens when families get together and choose that they're going to worship God? Well, this scripture says that the people around them kind of went, whoa, these guys are taking it serious. Now, let me explain something to you. For some various reasons, we don't know why completely, but Jacob stopped short of Bethel. He didn't go all the way to the place that God told him to do. For us, again, making that same kind of analogy, it would be kind of like somebody really felt the call to come back to Holly Springs and come back to that first place that they gave their life to God and they stopped at Tom's on the corner there at Appleby and said, hey, we'll just say a prayer here and then we'll keep moving. And God said, oh, you're not going to do that. And, and it makes sense. I, Jacob was nervous. People might be nervous to come back here too. But here's what Jacob did. He, he bought some property right before Bethel, and he stopped there, and he stopped short of his goal. He, he was about a day's journey away from Bethel when he stopped, and he said, I'll just build the altar here. Now, it's important for you to hear me say this. God tells him to go all the way to take his family to God's house in Bethel. But the biggest problem that he's facing is it's, it's not culture, really. It's, it's not his daughters or his sons and their rebellion that's going on. The biggest problem, listen to me, because this kind of ties into Father's Day for you and me who are dads. The biggest problem is that Jacob is not totally committed to God. Jacob kind of wants to follow God and kind of wants to be the head of the household and kind of wants to be the man who's committed to God and show his family that he's committed to God, but he's not totally committed. He lacks the courageous faith that we have to have, and he's really not providing the spiritual leadership that we're supposed to provide. Listen, I want to share with you three things 
from understanding this passage and a few more verses that we'll read this morning that all families have to do if we want to chase after God and fight back against a culture that is fighting so hard against us. How, how can we prepare our families to live in an ungodly world? Well, the first thing we need to do is exactly what Jacob did here as he's beginning this march toward Bethel. He's not there yet, but he's going to get there. And the first thing he does is this, is he, he gets rid of all the idols. He eliminates all the idols that are in his life. I told you this, but Jacob's wife had idols. She, she had lots of idols. She had gods that she had stolen from her father to worship. It was not Jacob's family that denied the truth of God, but they, they had, uh, his wife's family had, and he had allowed her to continue into that practice. And they had this attachment to their idols so much that they wore earrings, the men and the women, because they thought it would bring good luck to them by wearing their, these earrings and it would bring protection to them. You know what an idol is. An idol is anything that competes with God. You know, we don't look at Jacob and think about statues that we have in our house, although you might have some. Uh, hopefully none of you have like an idol in your house, a, a real physical statue that you put your stock in, that you are putting your hope in, that is a good luck charm for you because you know that goes totally against scripture. But the problem is idols for us aren't those kind of physical things that we see. Idols for us might be a crazy extravagant lifestyle or a zero-turn mower or an airplane or a boat or, um, you know, anything that you can imagine, a, a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a sheepskin that you're, that you're wanting to attain in your life. You know, you've got your undergraduate, your graduate, your master's, your doctorate, and you want to go for the next doctorate and the doctorate after that. How smart can I prove I am to the whole world? Nothing wrong with being smart, but the problem is, is that your idol? Is that what you worship, your education? Jacob finally stepped up and put the family idols in the ground because they were competing with God. The question for you and me and for our families is, when are we going to step up and put our idols in the ground? and not worship the idols that this lifestyle, especially in America, brings onto us. Are you ready to give up your security, your comfort, your prosperity, and leave everything and go to Bethel and worship God? Only you can answer that. It's tough for me. Even, even when I look at this, I, I have to think about the things that I have in my life um, and, and wonder how much do I need those things. It, it's a hard thing to not fight for those idols because we enjoy them so much. Listen, uh, this... I, I told you about technology in my plane. Um, there, there are so many things that I want to add to my plane. But all of them cost money. 
everything that you do is a trade-off and you have to decide whether those things that you do steal your time from worshiping God. Man, I, I could get in all kinds of trouble here because I know a lot of you love to hunt and love to fish and it, it's easy for me to talk about all the things that I don't do that some of you pour all kinds of money into and all kinds of time into. I mean, sports, you name it. If you're serious, you know that there is people all around you, and yourself included, that pour all kinds of time and effort into dance, sports, fishing, hunting, and all those kinds of things. I get it. I was there. I am still there with you. And I can talk about all your struggles and all your issues, but you can talk to me about all the things that you know I do. And the truth is we all struggle with those things. And until we learn to somehow burn those idols and bury them and make them not the most important things in our life, but make God the most important things in our life, thing in our life, then our families are going to struggle with what makes sense. Listen, Evan is 30 years old, 33 years old. Josh is 35. Ashley really doesn't even care about my plane. Ashley flew with us to McKinney the other day, and it just blew my mind because she got in the plane, we took off, and she laid down the back, sleep, at back seat and went to sleep. And... You know, there was kind of a couple of things going on with me. One is, okay, she really trusts me because she's sound asleep back there in the back seat. And the other is, how can you do that? This is the coolest thing ever. We are a mile up in the sky, flying above the clouds, and you are sound asleep. What is the matter with you? She doesn't care about the plane. Now, Evan, when I land, he's walking up to me with his logbook, and he's going, Dad, we need to do a few laps around, and you need to uh, sit in the seat with me and, and let me do, get my takeoffs and landings in. And I'm going, yeah, let's go. And so we do our takeoffs and landings, and he's flying. He's doing great. And, and the whole time I'm just so excited that his uh, desire is my desire. And then we go into the lobby of the airport, and there's a man that's talking to Evan, and he's got Riker by the hand. And the man turns to Evan and says, are you a pilot? And he said, yes, I am. And he said, my grandfather was a pilot, my dad's a pilot, and I'm a pilot. And he holds up Riker and he says, if he learns to fly, he'll be the fourth generation pilot. And I went, wow. I got so excited. And then I thought, okay, have I grounded Evan enough to understand that as much as I love flying, as much as my dad loved flying, what he passed on to me and what I want Evan to pass on to Riker is a love for God. And then you can enjoy flying. That's what all of us have to do. 
Listen, second thing, verse 5 through 7, and I know my time is like smoked here, so be patient with me for just a few more seconds. Look at verse 5. Then they set out, and the terror of God fell upon the towns all around them, and no one pursued them. And Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan. And there he built an altar, and he called the place El Bethel, because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing his brother. Listen, Jacob makes it all the way to Bethel. And for some people, worshiping is just kind of a hobby. You know, it's a nice thing that you do every once in a while, but it's not their center of their life. Jacob had built this altar about a mile away, but basically when he built this altar altar a mile away from Bethel, before God just kind of jumped him and told him to go all the way. What he was doing was worshiping out of convenience. And if we're going to be the kind of people who have families who fight against the culture, not only do we have to burn and bury all our idols, but we also have to get very serious about what it means to worship. Not just checking in every once in a while, not just seeing if we can be here every uh, few months, Sorry, not trying to step on anybody's toes. But we must be serious about worshiping God. God was the guiding force in Jacob's life. And Jacob is teaching us in this passage that worship is not an add-on. It's not something where we just do it every once in a while. Worship is a statement to our families and to other people who see us. When you uh, somebody asks you about Sunday, what are you doing Sunday? Can you do something on Sunday? You can always say, sure, after we go worship God, we can meet you anywhere and do anything. We have friends coming over to our house this afternoon that I don't think are involved very much in the church. They used to be, but they're not anymore. But Laura and uh, our friends got together and they worked out a plan and they're going to come over to our house this afternoon. And this family knows that we can't be there Sunday morning because guess what? We're going to be at worship. I don't know how you grew up or uh, what, how your family thought about worship, what they thought about worship, but my, you know, one of my blazed-in memories to me about my family is with worship and grandparents is this. We would go visit, so I grew up in Houston. My parent, uh, grandparents lived in a, in a little town southwest of Houston called Rosenberg. It was about an hour away. And before that, they lived in a town called Angleton, which again is about an hour away south of Houston. But do you know when we went to go visit my grandparents? Sunday afternoon after church. That's what I remember. I remember as a little kid, we would get up, get dressed, go to church, and then we would drive an hour to go visit my grandparents. We didn't miss church to go visit my grandparents. We went to church. And it's obviously blazed in my mind because that was when I was six and seven, eight. That was when, you know, only you guys who are my age will know this. But that's when I rode in the back of the car up on the, you know, the window that curved down and there was that shelf back there that you could lay on, that's the shelf I laid on because I was the baby of the family and my brother and sister were sitting in front of me and they were fighting all the time. And so I was sitting on the shelf in the sun baking 
you know, there was no car seats and no seat belts. And I, I remember even the time or two where my dad slammed on the brakes and my mom reached out her hand to knock me down into the back seat as I was flying forward into the back seat. Doesn't matter, does it? All right. <laughs> Last thing I, I, I just want to share with you that w when you continue to read this passage and, and you read verse 8 and 9 and continue down to verse 15. In fact, look at verse 14 and 15 and, and we'll be done, I promise. Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked with him and he poured out a drink offering on it and he also poured oil on it. Jacob called the place where God met him and talked with him, Bethel. And I don't, I don't know how many of us have ever said this before, but I wonder how many of us on our way to church on Sunday morning go, I'm on my way to Holly Springs this morning. That's the place where God talks to me. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be fantastic if people began to say, I can't wait to go worship at Holly Springs this morning because that's the place where I meet God. And that's the place where God talks to me. Listen, until we begin to teach our families to do those kind of things, we will struggle fighting against the culture. But as long as we continue to teach our families to do those kinds of things, we can put the armor of God on our families to fight against the culture. And I, I think I told you this just a week or two ago, and if I did, you'll just have to forgive me, but it's the coolest thing ever. We've been praying for our son and daughter who live in McKinney to get involved in the church, and about six months ago, they, they really started to try and get involved in the church, and, and uh, they've still been struggling a little bit, but they've been going pretty regularly on a, on a pretty regular basis almost every Sunday now, and Warren and I have just been celebrating that fact, and about a month ago, they were struggling uh, with Riker crying a little bit when he goes into church. I kind of have a new uh, heart for Anna now and what she has to deal with. And I have a heart for you again in memory now as parents who bring your children here. And they kind of cry a little bit when you take them back there to hand them off to a stranger. I, I get all that. But what a blessing that you pray to God and you talk to God and you answer God. And my son, Evan, walks into the nursery of this mega church that they live close to in, in McKinney and walk in and there's a woman that comes out of the nursery and goes, hi, Evan. And Evan goes, hello? And she goes, I recognized you walking in the door. And Evan goes, I'm sorry, I, I don't know who you are. And she goes, well, my name's Leanne. And she said, I grew up in your dad's youth ministry. I'm friends with Marla. And she started naming all the people. And Evan went, oh, my goodness. And so here goes Riker, handed off to our friend Leanne. And he's just as happy as can be. 
And Evan and Kristen now are going, I think we found a place. God, how good are you, God? Listen, let me, let me just close with this. Jason, you guys can come on back up here. Again, uh, forgive me for being pretty personal this morning with airplane illustrations and all kinds of personal illustrations. That's kind of the way I work. But I know sometimes that can get real personalized and you can think I'm just talking about myself. Please don't hear me say that. I hope you don't sense that. But I, I got tickled yesterday as we were getting ready to leave, but it really drove home a point with me about how I wanted to close this morning out. So Riker's two and a half years old. He's enjoying kind of playing hide and seek now. But I don't know how many of you remember how two and a half year olds play hide and seek. But it just, I was just rolling on the floor because he was playing with Laura. And Laura would go hide. And, uh, you know, Laura would hide like in a closet. And he would be looking for Laura, you know. And he's, you know, he's looking, you know, just anywhere he's not thinking gosh she would go hide in a closet what a mean grandmother would do that you know <laughs> kind of like that but so we're helping him you know we're going come on buddy open that door you know like that and so he opens the door and there's you know laura and he goes oh, he's so excited so it's his turn to hide so he closes the door on laura and makes her count and he goes and hides well he, he goes and hides under the table but I mean, you can see him. He's not, it's not like he's hidden, you know. And I, you know, everything in me wants to go, no, you goofball, go hide like under the couch cushion where she can't see you or something like that. But he's just, I'm just watching him, you know. But here's the thing that got me. So Laura comes out and Laura goes, he, and he has a tent. So he goes, uh, she goes, Riker, are you in the tent? And he's under the table over here. And he goes, no. <laughs> and I'm going, shh. <laughs> and then she goes, Riker, are you behind the refrigerator? No. <laughs> and so finally she comes over and she gets closer. And he goes, here I am, like that. And I go, oh, come on, Riker. You don't understand how to play the game. Listen, when I saw that, it just really brought me back to what I wanted to share with you this morning. It, I think a lot of us get caught playing that game with God. You know, where God is, is talking to us as families and he's saying, do you have any other idols that you're worshiping? <laughs> me with the plane. No. Well, maybe. And then I get out to the hangar and I go, here I am, God. I wonder how many of us are doing that with God, with our worship and with our idols, you know, that God's calling us. And you know he's calling you. And we keep going, no. I wonder when we will finally say, 
Here I am, God. Here I am. I want you to find me. And I want to do this with you. I want to worship you. I want to walk with you. I want to love you. And I don't care that the whole world sees me doing it. Let's pray. God, we, we love you. We're thankful for the opportunity to worship you. Thankful to be able to come to a place called Holly Springs and say, God, I need you here. And God, now as we enter another moment where we'll just worship you in song, may you hear us sing sweetly to you. And that's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a few moments, I'll ask you to stand and worship again with Jason and Sydney and Ethan. And as we do that, this is just your chance to respond. Maybe you just want to, where you are, take a moment and tell God, you see me, God. I want to be more like you. I want to follow you. I want to worship you. Maybe you want to spend a few moments uh, just coming to the altar here at the front and praying. Maybe you're looking for a church home and a church family, and you would like Holly Springs to be your home and your family. We would love to talk to you about that. Maybe you're wanting to start a relationship with Christ and you've never done that before. We would love to talk with you about that also. Whatever God's calling you to do, if he's calling you to do anything, now's the time to respond to that as we stand and as we sing. the Lord upon the tree in the stead of ruined sinners hangs 
is a lamb in victory. See the price of our redemption. See the Father's plan unfold, bringing many sons to glory. Grace unmeasured, love untold. Let's come behold this. Celebrate it. We've tried to bring you God's word. There's a lot of things that are happening this week. We've celebrated VBS already, but we have children's camp and youth camps that are coming up. Uh, Stephanie is celebrating three years with us. Uh, and I also want to remind you, where is, Stephanie's not here this morning, I don't think. Otherwise, we would celebrate her with applause. But uh, you can call her and say, hey, where were you this morning? So, so, I'm just teasing. Yes, it's Ken's, Ken's grandmother is sick and in the hospital mom. mom sorry ken's mom yeah and so that's i'm sure where they're at this morning so thanks uh clint for reminding me of that also want to remind you that we're still raising money to continue with the renovation here calling it pay it forward we had so many people who gave that don't even go to our church and now we as a church are trying to finish that off so as you leave this morning with your tithes and offerings that are in the boxes they're not hung back on the walls yet they will be next week but you can uh, leave your tithes and offerings there in the boxes and you can also uh, grab a building fund envelope or you can just put on your check or however you want to do it a designation that you also want to give some money to the pay it forward campaign to the building renovation we would appreciate that so much as we kind of try to finish out what's going on here and, and show you some incredible things that are going to happen over the next few weeks and then we're going to have a Sunday after we finish to celebrate everything that's been done and we're going to celebrate with communion and baptism and just have a wonderful Sunday so I can't wait to do that Dempsey come up here I want you to come up here I know this is the last time I'm not gonna we can't talk about it anymore because the season's over but I want you to know that coach Compton and the Garrison Bulldogs finished second at state and, and we're in the paper So this is my good friend, and I'm very proud of him. And I think Clint and us and myself may be the biggest jinx in the world.
because they had won 20 games or however many in a row and got to the state championship. And Clint and Laura and I flew there to go watch them play, and they lost the game. So I think Clint is the jinx. I was not the jinx. So. It was the plane. Yeah, it may have been the plane. may have been my idol. That may have been it. So. But anyhow, I'm so proud of Dempsey and, and the uh, Garrison Bulldogs and how well they represented us all, uh, all season long. And uh, one of the reasons that I'm proud of him, the, the most important reason, is because of his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and how he represents uh, the kingdom so well. And so uh, I've talked about him for the last couple of weeks and embarrassed him greatly. I can't do it anymore because the season's over and we'll just go back to being normal coach and normal Bobby again. But I wanted one last time to just recognize how much I admire this man and how much I admire what he does to the men in our community and what he does for the men in our community. So I want him to know that. And I want you to know that he's not a bashful believer because I'm going to ask him to pray as we leave this morning. So will you step over to Sydney's mic and pray for us? I don't need pleasure? a mic, I don't think. <laughs> you, can, you can scream it, it out if you want. It, is, it has been a true blessing. God has truly blessed our baseball team, our program, the school, the community. I mean, it just it was something that just drew the Garrison community back together. And, and it has just been a true blessing. Yes, we lost in the state championship, but it was, I mean, an honor and a blessing to be a part of that and be a part of those young men's lives. If you would, let's close in prayer. Most kind. Here at Garrison, coach these young men and just what it's truly meant to, to love on those kids and just to how those kids, those young men have brought this community together again, Lord. I just thank you so much for all the many blessings, Lord. I just pray that you just keep us throughout the day and let us just remember you throughout the week and just continue to, to use you as our rock and our foundation in everything that we do. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Bye-bye, y'all. Thanks, Thank friend. You,